Hey friends, and thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table, where we bridge dentistry with business, culture, and current events. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson, and if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Occlusal Table Pod, and share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. And for today, we have our Match Day series, where we will be taking a deeper look into dental anesthesia and how to match into your top program. Let's get started. Hi, my name is Vivian. Um, I'm originally I'm originally from the Bay Area in California, um, but right now I'm in Vegas. Um, I'm in my fourth year at UNLV, and um, last November I matched to Stony Brook for their dental anesthesia program, um, which has been really exciting. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations, Vivian, for matching into a dental anesthesiology program. And I am so happy to have you here on the show. So I guess we can go ahead and dive into some questions and uh, just talking about a little bit about your dental journey. What led you to dental school? What made you become interested in dentistry or even become interested in dental anesthesiology? Yeah, um, I think for me, uh, I got into dentistry because I was really into um, working with my hands and I was also really into science. Um, and um, I was a psychology major in college. And so um, the idea of, you know, helping people, my goal was to always help people with anxiety, dental anxiety. Um, and in a way that kind of translated into me um, pursuing a career in anesthesiology because a lot of the patient population are patients who have severe dental anxiety or, um, you know, don't have the mental capability of understanding, like, you know, really young children who don't understand um, how dental offices work, you know, things like that. And um, yeah, I think in a way, though, like, in dental school, I didn't think that I would do anesthesia. Um, I don't think we get a lot of exposure to it in dental school, um, but I always knew that I wanted to specialize because general dentistry just felt a little too broad for me. And so like my first three years, I was trying to figure out what I want to do. And um, I had a patient with really severe dental anxiety. She would just like tremble at the mention of the word needles. And so um, I connected her to our GPR program. And so in the process of arranging for anesthesia services is when I kind of got exposed to anesthesia. And so, um, and around the same time, like last year, I was an editor for Contour, which is the magazine run by the Student Dental Association. And um, uh, we had an issue on residencies. And so I said, oh, I want to do a piece on dental anesthesia. And so I got to speak to Dr. Rosdolsky at Turo and Dr. Epstein at Stony Brook. And I learned more about the field and I just loved it. And so um, I think that's when I reached out to the D8 R school and I shadowed for a bit and that was really awesome. And then I did some more externships and then I shadowed Dr. Lemon, who was on the podcast before, I think. Um, and yeah, that's kind of got how I got into dentistry and anesthesia. 
Excellent. So then let's go ahead and go a little bit deeper into the application process. So, you know, you've decided you wanted to go into dental anesthesia, and now you're looking at all the list of schools that are um, available uh, for the dental anesthesia program. So then Mm -hmm. what was your criteria in selecting those programs? Was it location? Was it a stipend? Do you guys get stipends? Or what was the criteria for you so that you um, selected which schools that you wanted to apply to? Yeah. Um, so there's six programs that accept students right out of dental school. And there's two more that um, I think they require a GPR program or a GPR experience. And then one more in Canada. And so those three I didn't research too much into because I knew I probably wouldn't apply there. Um, the six that um, I did apply to, they're all on the East Coast. So that's just something to think about for um You know, people maybe in the West Coast, they don't want to move too far. Um, Some some stuff that I, you know, asked residents and the program directors was, um, you know, what kinds of cases do the residents do on a regular basis, right? Um, Do they see a lot of PEDS cases? You know, a lot of uh, once you're out uh, practicing, a lot of your patients are going to be PEDS Uh, patients. So do you get a lot of experience with that? Do you get a lot of special needs cases? Um, Do they have any issues fulfilling requirements? Because we have a minimum number of requirements for or cases for requirements. And at least the programs that I talked to, they didn't have any issues fulfilling requirements. So that was really great. And I'm sure the other three are also great as well with that. Um, And how much outpatient experience do you get? Because most of these residencies are hospital-based so you see a lot of you know, general medical cases. You see, you know, um, OB-GYN, trauma, ENT, um, but how much dental experience do you get in residency, right? How, do you get to um, do some shadowing or, you know, even practicing out in a private practice? You know, stuff like that you could always ask about. Um, one thing that I also think you could think about is, you know, what's your studying style, right? Are you able to study on your own? And generally for this residency, you you need to be sort of individually motivated because you are kind of playing catch up to the medical residents. Um, but like at Stony Brook, they give you designated days to study. And so like, if that was you and, um, would you use that day to study or would you maybe not be motivated, right? So those are things that you can think about. Um, I think externships really helped in deciding where I wanted to apply to or how I would rank. Um, You can talk to the current residents and, you know, kind of get the vibe of the place. Um, You can talk about um, cost of living, you know, kind of the realities of living in a different place, right? Um, especially New York programs are very expensive to live out there. Any big city, I think, you know. So, yeah, those are some things you can think about. Actually, we can go ahead and talk more about those uh, externships, Vivian, because yeah. like how did you coordinate, it, coordinate those externships? Did you reach out to the program director? Did you reach out to residents? How did you even get a chance? Was it in person? Was it virtual? What was that uh, experience like doing externships? Yeah, um, it was kind of tricky because we were just coming out of COVID. So I know before um, there were a lot more externships available. I think the year before me, they 
actually canceled our all externships because of COVID, but we were kind of lucky in that um, around the summer, they were just starting to open up. And so um, I think in April-ish, I went to Arizona for an NYU rotate or because they do outpatient rotations in Arizona, even though they're in they're NYU. So um, I did that. And then um, in August, I did externships at Ohio, Jacoby and Stony Brook. Um, so I did about four. Um, you coordinate those with the program director. And so you just email them to say you want to come out and see what it's like out there. Um, some programs, they have like a whole list of documents that they need from you before you can go visit them in the hospital. And I think those are mainly like the hospital based ones because they need all the paperwork um, for like NYU and Stony Brook. We were doing like outpatient stuff uh, for the externship. So they didn't require that that kind of like, you know, health questionnaire, all that stuff. They didn't require that. Um, let's see. Uh, I felt like the hospital externships were really valuable just because um outpatient stuff you can kind of shadow around like locally if you have a DA next to you but hospital ones are kind of harder to experience without without that connection so and it's like a very different setting like the OR compared to like a dental clinic so um, if you get a chance to you know see in a hospital anesthesia case I think I would definitely recommend that um, and again, it's like a chance to meet all the residents who are there and see if they're happy at their, at their program and things like that. Um, how many like um, dental resident or dental anesthesiology residents are usually in certain programs? Like what's the average or what's the biggest you've seen or the smallest number? Mm -hmm. um, I think right now, um, so Stony Brook has four. And I think Ohio and the Illinois program, they have two each. And then NYU has six. And then Pitt also has four. And then, uh, shoot, am I leaving one out? I think I'm leaving one out. Uh, wait, let me see. Uh, Jacoby also has four. Yes. So it's like from two to six, I would say average is four. But yeah, not a lot of spots overall, I would say. But... <laughs> Nice. Cool. So then at least there gives some leeway, you know, uh, so that you can have at least some other co-residents with you versus like some other programs that may just have like one, maybe two spots available for that year. Um, right. And then you also talked about, you know, writing in contour, you know, like for ASA and everything. What other things did you have on your CV as far as like leadership, community involvement or research? What was what do you think were the biggest things that program look, programs looked at or something that was a highlight on your CV? Um, so some things I included um, were research experience. Um, I uh, did a research piece on um, education, like dental education. And um, we're in the process of publishing it right now, but um, I at least got to present the poster, um, which is something that you can definitely include in your CV. Um, people, I would say interview-wise, they asked most about contour, I think. They were really interested in that editor experience. Um, let's see, I included some college experiences also just because I felt like they were relevant to anesthesia. So one was I did an internship at a mental hospital. And I 
I also did developmental psychology uh, research in, in college. And so I got to work with a lot of kids. And so I felt like that was relevant. Um, let me think. And then you, and then I also included all the publications that I had and Contour also really helped me with that because I got to write as, as well as edit. So. Cool. Yeah. So you can really talk about all of that relevant experience that you had, like even starting in undergrad, you know, um, before you even knew that dental anesthesia was a route that you even wanted to pursue just yet. Yeah. Um, so that kind of, that really did help out. So then what about uh, your personal statement? You know, what did you, what was your story like? Or do you think that um, highlighting those experiences from undergrad helped out a lot? Or do you think um, the experiences that you had in dental school uh, is what helped shape your personal statement? Um, I, I kind of included everything that you mentioned. Um, I, let me think. Um, I, I can kind of go through, let me see because I, I have my personal statement in front of me right now. So um, I feel like the personal statement is like that section where you can show off your personality. And I would like definitely use that to your advantage. And so like some things that I look, or, um, included were, you know, how I was introduced to anesthesia, um, some relevant extracurriculars like the college ones that I mentioned. And um, I also talked about the externships and like what I learned from that experience and um, why I wanted to do anesthesia. I think that's always the big question, right? And then I kind of rounded it off with uh, the long-term goals that I have in, in the career. And um, yeah. So any uh, tips for building like the total application? Um, like. Do you think that there were any parts uh, that really stood out um, or what do you think are some tips that if you could have, um, I guess, give to someone who's interested in applying to dental anesthesia to make sure that they have and like a true checkbox uh, for their application? Um, something I wish I did earlier was I wish I reached out to the program directors a little bit earlier because um, it's still a very small field right now. And so um, you know, everyone knows each other in the field and they're all really supportive and so nice. And so if you just reach out to them, like send them an email, say, I'm interested in the field or I'm interested in your program, would you mind setting up like a quick meeting that we can talk? And they're all so, so nice about it. And um, I think that's something you could also do to network too, right? Um, kind of in a way, show yourself before you even apply, right? So that they get to know you. Um, something that's not relevant for me, but is relevant for future applicants is that I think they're going to start requiring the CBSC exam now. And so, um, I didn't have to take it, but I know, um, some of my, some of the third years at our school are interested and, um, the exam is only administered twice a year. So I, th I think this year was like February and July. So you have to like time that because if you miss that, then you, if you need to retake it, you know, you might not get a chance to for the cycle. So that's something to think about as well. Yeah, I've talked with some of my um, classmates that went the oral surgery route and had to take that exam. And I've heard that it's a beast. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I can only imagine. But I mean, I'm sure there's some overlap you know, between like the medical side and of course the dental anesthesia side, you know, so it will definitely help in the long run, but it's definitely a lot uh, of work and time to invest into when preparing for that exam. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think all my OS friends, they had to take it multiple times. And I, I've heard that's the norm um, just because like you said, it's, it's a very difficult exam. Right. And yeah. the dental anesthesia program, that's two or three years, or is it four years? How many years is uh, the program typically? It's three years. Yeah. I think it used to be two, but then they, they increased it to three and now it's three for all the programs. Awesome. So then what were your interviews like when, you know, going, like, were they all virtual? Were some of them in person? How um, did you maneuver in those interviews? Like, did you get some bizarre questions or things that you expected? Yeah. Um, interviews were all virtual for me. Um, I know they really wanted to do in person, but it just, I guess this year just didn't work out. I think they, they're really trying though to get back into in-person interviews just so that the applicants get a chance to see around the hospital and like, you know, I don't know. I feel like in-person and virtual, it just like doesn't really compare, but you know, we did the best we could virtually, I think. Um, it's like obviously a very nerve wracking process, um, but everyone, like I said, everyone is generally very nice and they know you're nervous. Um, especially the residents, because so it um, it depends on the school, but most times you get to speak to both residents and the faculty members. But the residents were also they were like, "Hey, we've been in your shoes there," and so they like really try to like get you to be comfortable. Um, some of them were like I'm trying to think. Some of them were like group interviews where there were like multiple residents on that side versus you know. And then while some of them, um, they separated into different rooms. And so you would speak to faculty members and the residents like individually for like 10 minutes at a time. Um, there was one interview I had, which kind of threw me off guard was, um, I, I won't say the school, but they didn't ask any questions. They were like, do you have any questions for us? And that was basically the interview. And um, I'm not sure if it's because uh, they already knew everything they needed to know and they just wanted to answer my questions or if they just wanted to see how interested you are in their program. But I would say definitely have a lot of questions ready just so, you know, you're not searching for things to say. Um, a common question that I think everyone asked was why anesthesia and tell me about yourself. So I would practice those questions, like don't practice it so that you, you're like memorizing it, but like, you know, just so that you're not like stumbling over your words. Um, let's see. Oh, some programs, they ask you to record a video and submit a video prior to the interview. And so um, they give you like a week or two to do it. So it's not like a thing you have to do right away, but that's just something to think about also. And let me think. Oh, one, one more thing is um, have good lighting if you're in the West Coast, because um, like I said, all the programs are in the East Coast and sometimes they start at 8 a.m., which is 5 a.m. our time. And there's like no sunlight <laughs> at that point. So just have good lighting. I, um, I know some people bought like a ring light for the interview. So, yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you say that, Vivian, because um, for one of my uh, peds interviews, you know, we had like eight interviews back to back, like an all in one day. Yeah. And in one of those segments, it was just a time where he's like, Hmm, I've seen your application. I, you know, it's nice. I'm sure you're, you're tired of being asked questions all day. How about you just ask me questions? 
same thing. So I had to just fire out questions. And I'm glad I had a list of questions that weren't like, you know, the typical questions that you can either find like information on the website, you know, and things like that. So definitely got to be on your toes with that one. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's also um, good to kind of have an idea of what their program is like beforehand. That way you can ask, like you said, like more individual questions instead of like, you know, the common question, broad ones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just show that you're interested, you know? Absolutely. So then um, as we wrap things up, you know, are there any other pieces of advice or tips that you'd want to give to um, aspiring applicants that want to one day be in your shoes? Um, Like I said, the field is really small. So as long as you show that you're really interested and invested in, um, in being a part of this career, I think, I think you'd have a really good shot. It's, um, everyone is super nice. So, um, feel free to reach out to, um, feel free to reach out to me, feel free to reach out to any of the program directors. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to talk to you. Perfect. 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 I love it. You really did drop some gems today. So, um, and I'm sure anyone that's interested in, uh, pursuing dental anesthesia, you know, would definitely want to reach out to you. So Vivian, do you have any closing remarks or any Instagram or email that you'd like to share with some of our listeners so they can reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, first I'd like to say thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun, like reflecting on the whole application process, which is very nerve wracking, but really exciting at the same time. And um, I hope some of what I said today was helpful and, you know, good luck to all the applicants and you can definitely feel free to reach out to me. Um, My Instagram is Vivian. So V-I-V-I-E-N-D-W-L-E-E. Yeah. Feel free to DM me. Perfect. Yes. I'm sure people definitely will be Uh, reaching out to you and messaging you. (laughs) But um, that's all that we have for today. So thank you for sitting sitting with us at the table. And remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. Bye, guys.